Hey folks, welcome back to the second and final bonus episode of First Look, where I'm bringing you another full interview. This interview that I've chosen is uh, the one that I did with Maria and Kirsten Palladino, who you remember the editors of Equally Wed, which is an inclusive wedding publication. They're such great storytellers and were super engaging throughout the interview, so I know that you're going to get a lot of value and enjoyment out of just like hearing them chat. Like it was just a really fun conversation that we had. You're going to learn some really great ways about like marketing your business as an ally um, and, and ways of being a better ally. So I thought that there'd be a practical element to what's in this. Um, but as I said before, super enjoyable, super entertaining. To listen to the entire collection of unedited interviews, I've actually set up a whole catalog of them over at firstlookpodcast.com. Uh, and I'm just asking you to make a one-off donation, which is going to help support my work. Every single interview that I conducted for the series of First Look is up there right now, uh, ready for you to binge all of them. So uh, please jump on in there, make a donation. You can do it for as little as $5, uh, and then you can access all the content from the show. Uh, thank you so much. I'll see you on the flip side. Okie dokie. So let me just get up my little question document that I have here. Great. Why don't we start with just a little introduction with maybe if you want to each introduce yourselves with your names and your pronouns, if you like, and then just a little bit about who you are. Go ahead. Okay, sure. Um, I am Kirsten Palladino. My pronouns are she, they, and I am co-founder and editorial director of Equally Wed magazine. And I am Maria Palladino. My pronouns are she, they. And I am a co-founder and creative director of Equally Wed. Now, my next question. Yeah, I, this is the first interview I've done with two people. So, yeah, I'm <laughs> like, all right, I've got to figure out how do I. That's all right. We'll, yeah. we'll figure it out together. Um, so I want to hear, maybe you could just tell me, what is the Kirsten and Maria story? Oh, like our whole, like, our whole love story? Or the business part of our story, because, you know, it's interesting. We, we're running a business together, and then we're also married and all that. Very true. Uh, which one happened first? Oh, okay. Oh, that's, that's a good, good question. question. Yeah. yeah. Haven't gotten that before. Okay. Um, <laughs> I tell long stories. Maria tells short. We'll try to meet in the middle. Yeah, there. well, I'll tell a little bit of our... So we met in 2004, um, and right? 2003 started dating 2004. I always, it's, it's too many years now, so the years don't even make any sense anymore. Um, yeah, we met in 2003. We started dating in 2004. Um, we d dated um, for a good four years before I decided that I was ready to propose. Um, and let me just also interject that we were already living together. We weren't just... You weren't just courting me from afar for four years. No, no, no. We were going through the whole pro. I'm just making it shorter, <laughs> okay. a little condensed version. Right. Um, now that we're 18 years in, so there's a lot of stories and history there. But yeah, we started um, started dating, fell in love. Um, I decided to propose and proposed in Central Park in uh, Manhattan, New York, um, America, of course, if this, anybody's listening abroad. Uh, and we, um, yeah, we started uh, planning our, our, our wedding through our engagement, 18-month engagement. And um, through that, went through a lot of hurdles in planning our big day. And that kind of became the brainchild for Equally Wed. But yeah, so we got married in 2009. 
Um, and basically went on our honeymoon shortly right after our wedding. And shortly when we came back from that, hit the ground running and started Equally Wed. Um, and so that was 2009 we started it and launched. Right. Yep. We officially launched March 2010. So we took um, basically July 2009 right after our honeymoon to March 2010 to build build the website and uh, and fill it with, uh, you know, the initial features and um, you know, build out our, our brand mission and, and start uh, sharing about what we were going to be doing. Uh, so yeah, so now it's been 12 years. We just, yeah, 12 years, right? Yep. 12, of Equally Wed. 12 yeah. years for Equally Wed, yeah. 18 years for us, and it'll be 13 years married in June. Yes. Okay. And I, I'm so sorry, Hank. Can I pause there for a second? Yeah. I don't know when you're going to be releasing this, and if you would rather us stay away from in June or just now or anything like that. We don't want to date it, so. Um, I'm not worried about it. Okay, all right. Yeah, I don't want, because I, I think I'd rather, I don't want you to be in your head about it. So right. okay. let's not, yeah, not nah, okay. an issue for That's me. True. Thanks That's for true. asking. Okay. Yeah. okay. Okay, there's a lot in there that I've got lots of questions about, so I'm going to dive in. Okay. Uh, let's go back to 2003. <laughs> Paint me a picture of... What was the dating scene like and how did you how did you meet? Like 2003 is a long time ago when we're talking about dating as queer people. Absolutely. Sure. So we we both were living in Atlanta at the time and neither of us had been living in Atlanta for a long time. I was born in Atlanta, but I I wasn't raised there. And so we were both part of the going out nightclub scene. We were in our earlier early 20s. And, and I think it's really important to recognize for the LGBTQ plus community, that's where we find our people. Um, because there are queer clubs and there are, um, and, and clubs specifically dedicated just to, um, you know, female identified people for, for certain nights, etc. So uh, that is what, you know, the, the life we were living, not that we were crazy, you know, overnight, like late night, we were late night clubbers, but yeah, I mean, I know it sounds crazy to say now as we've gotten older, but yeah, we had, you know, there was the ladies nights at the the country two stepping bar on a Thursday night. Then there was the one more like pop RB kind of club on Friday nights where a lot of the women went to or however anybody was identifying. And then Saturday kind of a mix at another club bar. Or, or the, And so there were yeah. oftentimes that we were, you know, hanging out with friends and getting together and going to those safe spaces um, where, where you were finding your friends, but you were also finding potentially people you were dating as well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So that was a lot of fun. So in 2003, that the summer of 2003, I was just dating somebody really casually and I saw Maria at the two-stepping country western bar on ladies night and uh but it was it was a gay bar exclusively but then on thursday it was it was exclusively i think women identified Mm -hmm. night uh, except for the bartenders and i um i spotted maria because maria was part of there was someone in maria's circle who was dating someone in my friends friendship circle and i thought oh my gosh she's so hot she must have somebody from out of state, like she couldn't possibly be single. And Maria thought that I was whoever I was, you know, sort of dating was someone I'd been in a serious relationship with for years. So we both had misconceptions about the other. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, fast forward, you know, there's a couple of like 
um, times in the fall where I, you know, I saw her, was thinking about her, and, and, and vice versa. And then in February 2004, uh, we were out at the same club one night, and I went up to Maria's friend and said, is Maria dating anyone? And her friend lied to me and said no. And, and so, uh, but behind my head, Maria was um, pointing to, um, to me uh, and mouthing to her friend, you're talking to Kirsten. But I, you know, so she was excited to see me talking, you know, um, uh, to her friend. But anyway, um, so yeah, her friend totally told me a lie. Maria was dating uh, and talking to several women. Not really, yeah. Just yeah. like. <laughs> and, and so, but I would never have asked her out if I had known that there was competition. I'm not very competitive. So I asked her out and, uh, and then we started dating. A month later, Maria asked me to be her girlfriend. And <clears throat> we've been together for almost 18 years yeah. now. Or uh, definitely 18 years. 18 years plus. Yeah. Um, so, kind of now that we're kind of back in that in that time, I'm really curious to hear about like was was marriage on the cards? No, obviously not between the two of you when you've just met, but in your, did you have an idea about what marriage meant to you in 2003, 2004, um, and and what was that? That's yeah, it's it's a great question. It was still kind of the. For, for me, it was definitely in my vision. Um, I've always been kind of a romantic. I never questioned my sexuality when I was figuring myself out. Um, I always kind of visualized in a marriage and with a family. Never saw myself with a man. Never visualized myself in any type of wedding dress or anything like that. But I knew that that was the life I wanted um, in regards to being married. Um, so it was never... I was questioning how I was going to get there. It was just kind of like, of course, it's going to happen for me. I'm going to find my spouse and this. I'm going to follow the path of that. Um, I don't care what the laws are. It was never, I mean, I wasn't thinking that far into it at 23, 24 years old um, in regards to what my, you know, the wedding law, marriage equality laws and all of that and what it meant. But I knew that that's the future I wanted. Um, as far as like people around us or even on the outer skirts of acquaintances, um, it was still very like, oh my gosh, these golden, this golden couple whenever they were getting married. I remember when people, a couple people in our early part of relationships did have weddings, um, two women getting married and they were calling each other wife. It was amazing um, back in 2004, 2005 probably. Right. To hear that, it was just like, like we were, we were breaking the rules and we were taking this world over and it was fantastic and we were seen and heard. And so I knew that that feeling is something that I did want. Um, and I wasn't questioning how we were going to get there. So it definitely was in my peripheral in regards to what I wanted for my life as far as wedding and marriage mm -hmm. and spouse. Yeah. And then I grew up always imagining myself in the big white, uh, ball gown and going down the aisle. And I didn't necessarily have a picture of who was going to be there. Uh, it was just, that was, I was excited about being a bride that was, um, important to me. And then when, um, when I did realize that I was queer, that never changed in terms of whether I could or couldn't get married. In fact, jumping forward to when, after Maria had proposed and we were planning and people would ask, is that even legal? People who really supported and loved us, you know, um, asked if it was legal. And, and, and my thought was, a wedding is never illegal, not in not in the United States, um, certainly in other countries. But uh, you know the 
public display of affection. But here we knew, I knew that we could have a wedding and whether or not it was socially, whether it was um, recognized legally was a whole different story and something that we didn't have a lot of control in. But we could control committing our lives to one another in front of our friends and family or higher power uh, in, um, in an event and uh, decor and celebration, you know, worthy of our love. Mm. That's that's a really beautiful beautiful perspective, and it's funny. I, you know, this is really tangential, but I have a similar kind of experience or, or time in my life. But I had a really different view of because I grew up very religious, and so there was a really big part of my life where I was like, marriage is an extremely spiritual decision that you make, and. Even when the church was, you know, I mean, at least here in Australia, still very anti-queer and and marriage equality. Um, My view was like, yeah, but God is the only one that ordains marriage. There's no Mm -hmm. pastor or minister that could actually recognize yes or no, this is a married couple. It's, it's a, it's the higher power. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm on a journey with all of that, but yeah, just really interesting that it's like, we, we get to decide if we're having a wedding, regardless of whether the law recognizes it or not. Um, that's, that's a really beautiful way to, way to think about it. If, if I could take you back, I think Maria, you mentioned that you had some friends early days, 2004, 2005, maybe that were getting married and calling each other wife and wife and, and Mm -hmm. kind of the impact that had on you. Do you like, what do you remember about, is there, is there one wedding in particular? Do you remember the first queer wedding that you went to? Uh, Yeah. And I think we're probably thinking of the same one. And we, yeah, we attended together. Right. Yeah. So it was probably the first wedding we went to period, no matter who the couple was. Besides our sisters and brothers. No, no, no. Together. Oh, right. I think that was the only, the first one. And then also it was um, an LGBTQ wedding. Um, yeah, what I'm sorry, what was the question? What it what <laughs> Oh, was, well, tell tell me about the wedding. What do you remember yeah. about it? Let's I mean, out. yeah, totally remember it. I remember the 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 happiness I felt for the couple, but also just being a participant in it. Not in it. We were not in it, but be involved in it as a, a witness. Um it was it was beautiful, it was extravagant, it was fun. Um we got to be there in a in a a safe space too, because you go in that space, you can go as a couple to weddings and all these straight people around you dancing and having a great time, not even having to think about who they are in that moment. Um, and this was a space where you, you now were one of those people. Um, and so I think that that's, you know, that was another feeling too, is that we, as a couple, we could go enjoy a wedding that we were completely welcome at, um, and just be able to be ourselves at, as well as witness the love of two women getting married. Um, so yeah, I remember I remember it clearly, and I also remember when they used to call each other wife, whether it was in person or on social media. Um, how significant and and meaningful it was, just even just seeing or hearing those words, mm-hmm. just yeah, that many years ago. I yeah. loved it, and I think too for me. Well, two things stand out. One that it was. Um, it was two women who uh, both identify as lesbian getting married and were both using the term bride, both, you know, using Mrs. and use she, her pronouns, and both wore gowns, uh, although one changed into a suit later, didn't she? Um, 
I don't remember. Anyway, that, um, <laughs> but uh, but what I loved is at least on one side, if not both side, both sides, the attendants were a mixture of um, people who identified as you know all different genders, but they chose their attire. And what made me the happiest was having um, you know butch lesbians in you know, silky vest rather than stuffed into a wedding gown because the people getting married wouldn't recognize them for their um, authentic gender identity or gender expression. They got to be who they were and be comfortable and be celebrated up front. And that was beautiful to me. Uh, And then also, as Marie was talking about being comfortable, we felt like we could take to the dance floor and everybody had already been vetted, you know, in terms of the guest and didn't, You know, Maria, I think in, you know, because I'll say this too, we're not on camera, we're just talking with you, Hank. Uh, I uh, definitely present more femme and Maria presents more masculine. So in a sense, I I read heterosexual when I'm out by myself and, and Maria doesn't I don't know if that's a surprise and so <laughs> um, and, and and so we uh, I think that Maria has more trepidation about our safety sometimes and I've had to really lean into that and understand that we are um, we are putting ourselves in danger when we display our love and so at this wedding we didn't have to feel like we were in danger and it's just that simple sweetness that our cishet um you know, neighbors and friends and family sometimes take for granted. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm just taking a note that I want to circle back to. Give me a moment. Okay. Yeah. It sounds like there was just a, a gift in that wedding where this couple facilitated a safe space for everyone to come and be their authentic. It's not just celebrating the couple, the two brides being their authentic selves and, and celebrating their love, but that they created an environment for everybody. And I find that really beautiful. Uh, mm-hmm. And again, like a really unique perspective that I don't think I've really thought through the, um, the consequences of. It's just that's how exciting that you mm-hmm. were able to experience that really early on in your in your relationship as well. Um, do you, are you still in touch with the with the couple? We are. They live abroad now, so we don't see them as often. Um, but we're wishing them well from afar. <laughs> okay, let's fast forward. I know that, like in the in the states, there's kind of a bit of a. a um, a, a choppy timeline in terms of marriage equality because there were some laws that were state-based and and some that went ahead and then were repealed. But obviously, like, that big foundational moment being in 2014 when the Supreme Court um, kind of handed down their decision, what do you remember about that time? Um, maybe specifically that day or the moment you found out? Just um, what what comes to mind when we think about that Supreme Court decision? Sure. Um, it was uh, June 26, 2015, when oh, we Oh, 2015. Got, yes, sorry. Um, so it, uh, on June 26, 2015, when we got federal marriage equality, it was unreal. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, when we started Equally Wed in 2010, six states had marriage equality, the first being Massachusetts in 2004. And honestly... 
I wasn't sure it was going to happen right. so quickly. You know, we followed state by state and in other countries as well, including Australia, you know, marriage equality uh, laws and the fight for it. But it, I know that activists long before us have been paving the road for this uh, and then our allies getting in line. But it, even though it was a, a huge, a huge a monumental amount of work for so many people, it still felt sudden. Um, I feel the same way. As I was thinking, I was like, well, maybe that's not fair for me to say I wasn't, I'm not as deep in on the layers of the activism and the work and the legal work. But it felt like that too. And I think here in the States, it is sometimes it happens, especially when the Supreme Court is deciding on things. It could sometimes stay kind of quiet, which, and I know people would disagree with that when they're fighting for the cause. But it almost feels like sometimes it is kind of under the surface and then it just pops open and the, the ruling's out and now it's law. And it almost felt like that. And I think for so many people that have been waiting for it um, or even fighting for it, you almost can't believe it for so many hours or days after it happens. Um, but it was huge and it was a celebration. And it was, I mean, it was a big, important day. Mm -hmm. We were already, right. We had, I get all the days confused. We, had we were had, at our wedding. We had had Equally Wed for five years. Um, right, but as far as we got married, we got married in '09, so we had been married six okay, years yes, when so we got marriage quality. We had already been legally married too in New York. We went there after they had, you know, passed it and got legally married in 2000. We got legally married in 2011, but <laughs> I, yeah. I'm leaning in because I actually like to say that our marriage was legally recognized in 2011. Our marriage wasn't illegal before. Oh, I wasn't saying it was illegal. I know. But yeah, we had our wedding. We got, it was legally recognized 2011 yeah. when we got it, you know, There's... we got married in New York City. Um, so we were already legally married by 2015. I'm just going through the moments again. Our um, marriage was legally recognized. Legally in recognized. 2011. I don't know. These word choices matter. Um, <laughs> it, it might sound silly. I'm an I'm English major, but, um, but I, I think the difference between your marriage is legally recognized versus legally married means that your marriage wasn't valid before it, it was legal. Right. And I think it's just, yeah, it's, it's vernacular. It, I, mean, I know. It's not, it's not legally recognized I'm, on taxes. I'm actually really <laughs> curious about this choice of wording. Maybe, Kirsten, can you, can you say more about that? Sure. Think... Uh, well, so I have, and, and as, you know, as the editor of Equally Wed, um, I've always insisted that we use the phrasing um, whether – if we want to talk about whether a marriage was legally recognized or not, then that is, we say legally recognized, not they had a legal wedding or they're legally wed. Uh, and the reason is because, you know, for us, we were, we were going to get married when it was right for us. We were going to get married. We wanted to get married before we tried to start having children. We wanted to get married before we uh, bought our first house together. We, we wanted to do things in the order of which felt natural and, and right for us. And so when we were going to get married, our state wasn't on our side, but it wasn't going to stop us from getting married. Uh, we, it just wasn't legally recognized. And then when it did become legally recognized in New York, the state where we had gotten engaged and um, both of our, um, my father and both Maria's parents are from there, we flew there uh, and got uh, and had a, um, a marriage ceremony in the courthouse and got um, and had basically had our marriage legally recognized, which was a completely um, 
I was I was knocked over with how much emotion I felt between you know I we get we got married in June t- two thousand nine felt very um, obviously wonderful and very exciting and then having our marriage legally recognized by the court of law in New York uh, in August two thousand eleven was incredible because somebody thought that we were worthy enough citizens to write it down in a book that um, that to record us in history as as people who were committed to one another. It was just incredible that our LGBTQ plus ancestors didn't have that luxury. And so uh, it felt very validating. Um, and so also a, um, another point to that being legally recognized, when when we were starting our magazine in 2010, I spoke with a wedding planner who uh, did serve the LGBTQ plus community, but only in states where, and this is a quote from her, um, where it's legal. And I felt, one, I felt hurt by that because we did live in a state where it wasn't legally recognized. Uh, so it felt, it felt like we were being discriminated against by someone even within our own community. But I just felt like, what a privileged statement to make. Um, but also just that language, it just feels so exclusionary. And when we're already dealing with so much exclusion, uh, why make it harder? Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. We're probably going to, I presume that this next question is going to pivot us over to equally wed, but also don't feel locked in. Um, my question is, what is one of your biggest achievements? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, um, I would, I'm going to say, of course, not of course. I feel like our biggest achievement and my biggest achievement, I, I, and I'm hoping, I don't know I'm hoping you would agree, but I think is becoming parents. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, but in addition to our wonderful children, I would say um, definitely bringing Equally Wed into the world. Yeah, and okay. then also maintaining it, um, maintaining it and our marriage at the same time. Um, <laughs> maintaining our marriage as business partners at the same time, and also then having twins and maintaining our life and our businesses at the same time. So, um, yeah, I think like keeping our head above water and our, our lungs filled with air we uh, and staying alive has been a great achievement, but absolutely equally wet and our children are, I mean, equally wet is our business child and I know it should never be a child, but it's our business child. And then we have our two children. So um, those are, yeah. And then a lot of other smaller things that fall under those umbrellas, I think, within business that are all related to Equally Wed. Like Kirsten has different speaking engagements that are just amazing how those have grown that are all related to, you know, Equally Wed and LGBTQ plus inclusivity. Um, so, I mean, there's a lot that we're just super proud of over the past, you know, 10 plus years. Definitely. And also, you know, as somebody who, you know, as early as I was dreaming about wearing white wedding gown and being a bride, I was also dreaming of writing books. Uh, when I was six or seven and having a um, getting a book deal with a big time publisher and having a book come out uh, called Equally Wed as well. uh, That was just such an achievement, you know, having my book in libraries and bookstores that people can find, you know, in stores and libraries and uh, but also online and just being able to connect with more people about something that I'm really passionate about. Um, has has also felt like a big achievement. Tell me about the dynamic of running a business and parenting together. <laughs> like all, all all of the things that you mentioned, being you know strong relationship, parenting, business partners. Like 
What's that dynamic like between the two of you? Some days it's hard and some days it just flows like water. Mm-hmm. Most days, I would say, it's, yeah. it's great. And then, of course, we have, you know, you can have a little too much of somebody all the time around, <laughs> you know, 24 hours a day. But especially, you know, we're, you know, we've, especially through the pandemic, have worked from a home office and been a lot more trapped in, all of us together. Our kids were virtual for a while for schooling. And so we were balancing that on top of trying to keep our business afloat. Um, you know, marriages, weddings stopped dramatically. Um, so it halted a lot of things. I mean, we were still getting lots of traffic on Equally Wed, but it things were slowing down and we were feeling that. So, but absolutely, yeah, we've, I mean, sometimes it doesn't feel like it's been as many years as it has been running a business or even being together. Um, I mean, I think in general, we still enjoy it a great deal, right? Not right. the mar- not being married, but like <laughs> running a business together. I mean, we have like, even in you know June, we have a speaking engagement together. Um, and so I think we're super excited about that and being able to do it together and present material together and, and just be a force for the business, but also be able to present it as a couple. So mm-hmm. I think, you know, for us, some of the, some of the hardest times were when we were having we had three babies we had twins and we had equally wed all at the same time because we decided to launch equally wed in march 2010 and immediately start trying to get pregnant and so uh and then and then like i think we launched in march and finally got you know we're able to get pregnant in july and so uh and then the babies came the following march and then we had <laughs> then we had three and so it was um you know it was tough but in in the 11 years since our children were born what i think we've done is learned how to navigate so that one if one of us needs a break then the other one can take over whatever it is. But also really rec- having having the ability to work on any facet of the business that needs handling, but also recognizing each other's lanes and recognizing each other's strengths. Like Maria is amazing with finances. I am not. I have stayed far away from that. Uh, <laughs> at, you know, I, I am um, a great writer. Maria is, is actually a great writer, too. Uh, you know, but, um, and that's been fun to, to see those talents um, come out. But uh, there are just different strengths that we have. And I think we, we recognize mm-hmm. them in each other. And we respect those spaces and those boundaries. But also, I don't know, we're, we're, we just play off of each other, feed off of each other. But also, we're still very much in love. And that... I think is the right. Clue yeah, that keeps it would. It. I guess it wouldn't work very well if we were <laughs> if we didn't like each other. Yeah, yeah, we'd have to disengage and just business business and not be together. But mm-hmm. yeah, so so yeah, it works well. <laughs> We'd still like each other. <laughs> Notice I'm, I love and she said like. No, but like <laughs> being in love is great. But, but liking sometimes the liking is someone is stronger. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. you yeah. can love someone and dislike them. That's true. <laughs> oh, that's true. That's very true. <laughs> um, I I'm curious to hear if you got any thoughts around kind of. I don't know how to phrase the question. This is not a scripted question, but in terms of like having role models in other, you know, um, queer business partner couples, um, have you have you seen that modeled anywhere? Well, uh, mm. were you did you benefit from role models? Do you feel like you um, had to navigate some of those dynamics 
um, you know, without help. I, I don't know what I'm saying, right. but I don't know if you can interpret those words into something to say. <laughs> I, think, yeah. I think that's a great question. I would say that when we started, no, we didn't right. have... We didn't have uh, business role models that we could look to who were in the LGBTQ plus community. However, since we did, since we launched Equally Wed, we have met some incredible uh, LGBTQ plus couples who work together or who are just like a powerhouse couple who have inspired Mm -hmm. us. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think there were some potentially, I'm trying to think, well, there are now and there were a little bit then heterosexual couples that did work together and kind of just watching that and feeding off of that has been inspirational. Um, I think even back then, but even now just to see, you know, it it take, we know we're living. It takes a lot to be a couple and run a successful business together and to be able to recognize that and other people out there, it's just kind of like, Oh, cheers to you kind of thing. And it's, it's inspiring. And also you can learn from them still too. If you're doing it, you're going to still learn from them just being around them. And so it's been, it's, it's always lovely to see that whenever we're with anybody or at a conference or speakers where they are a couple within it as well. It's great. Mm -hmm. Mm Okay. Okay. Now, I want to um, circle back to something that I think, Kirsten, you mentioned in terms of being um, a little bit more heteropassing and maybe taking for granted, um, you know, a, a feeling of safety, whereas Maria might be a little bit more tuned into feelings of, of um, I think you said, like, putting putting yourselves in danger when displaying your love in public. Um, I might have worded that wrong, but... Uh, that that was obviously in the context of back in when we went to that wedding in 05 or whenever that was fast forwarding to now like what have you noticed change in terms of your feelings about public displays of affection what have you noticed within culture of acceptance and how do you feel now do you still feel a sense of um needing to guard a little bit of, of that safety for yourselves. Um, so yeah, I think our, our, we have different personalities and our answers would potentially be different, but I think also we create a good balance for each other in that same respect. Um, my personality is always ever since I was little, was kind of like, don't, I don't, I don't need a light shine on shown on me or how would have shined on me. Um, (laughs) you know, I don't, I don't want to have a lot of people like looking at me because I'm different for whatever reason it was. Um, and I think that's carried over and it's something I've been working on through my adulthood to just not try to have as kind of a problem within myself. Um, so I still am conscious about, you know, us as a couple out in public or whatever that has gotten better. Um, and also knowing how the world has changed, especially here in the United States or wherever we might be traveling to, or, um, where we're at, even with where we live, it's, it's, I'm way more comfortable than I was, I would say 10, 20 years ago. Um, but I'm still extremely conscious about our safety, especially when we travel, um, travel to smaller towns, just right outside of our state, or traveling internationally, um, even when we talk about other things we want to do in the future, um, I'm like, okay, well, I'm good with that, but let's do our research as to what's the safest way to do that tour, or where should we stay, or all those things. And I think that's going to be a very long time before any of the LGBTQ plus community doesn't feel that way in a lot of different areas around the world. Um, so I think we've seen, I mean, we're, we hear from a lot of the younger generations too, how 
you know, gender and sexuality is just a, they're not even thinking about it or talking about it in any negative way in a lot of areas. It's still very huge and much of a big issue for a lot of people, but we're hearing it become less of an issue, especially here in the United States and a lot of kind of progressive areas. And that's amazing to see now as we get older to see how 20 year olds are reacting to things and things are changing. Um, So it's gives us a lot of optimism, but I think there's still a lot of work to be done um, to feel truly comfortable as an LGBTQ plus person in this, in this country, at least you can add whatever you think. (laughs) No, I think you said it perfectly. Okay. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I, I have, see how I should say this. Uh, it's not that I don't care about our safety. And right. I, I just float along a little bit more with my head in the clouds. Um, and, and that's just the way I've always been. My dad's like it. One of our sons is like it. I just, um, uh, I'm very aware of certain things. But, and I also, I've never felt ashamed for being LGBTQ+. I was raised in a household where when I was 11 and my brother was 13, my mom looked at us and said, if either one of you turns out to be gay, just know that I'll love you no matter what. We, I don't think we had given her any I, I inkling that either one of us felt uh, any other way than heterosexual. So uh, to have that loving message from the beginning Um, was probably part of my foundation. I wasn't raised in a very strong religious household. Uh, It it was, I mean, we went to church, but it wasn't hellfire and brimstone. And so we just, we just didn't ever feel like our choices would put us in peril, you know, in the ever after. So, and I say choice, not in that I think LGBTQ plus is a choice, but the choice to live authentically. So, you know, when I came out, my uh, my parents practically threw me a parade, uh, you know, and so and I I grew from that. I was excited to have having kissed my first girl. And and every single moment after that was exciting for me. When we launched Equally Wed, the New York Times sent a reporter to our home to do a print feature on us, a huge print feature uh, that, um, that they even tagged in a sense, you know, but they wrote about it on their home, their front page of the actual newspaper. But he said, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing him, but the reporter said, uh, what, what are two, what are two women in Georgia where it's not legally recognized, um, doing launching an LGBTQ plus wedding magazine? Well, like in a sense, who do you think you are? Where did you get this confidence from? And and I said, well, why not? Uh, you know, it just never occurred to me that we it, that there were barriers in my way. And I feel like you know, if for me, it's like let them look. But now, if it's <laughs> let them, it's not let them come and attack us. You, you oh know? no! So <laughs> like, I'm not saying that I I'm trying to put us in in harm's way, but I also am not uncomfortable at like Maria when when people do stare at us and we do get stares right yeah even in Atlanta Georgia how has the wedding industry changed since marriage equality in 2015 for me I would say the marriage equality has changed immensely I'm sorry 
I would say that the wedding industry has changed immensely since we achieved marriage equality in 2015 in the United States. And the reason for that is, first, people who never saw a wedding uh, as, a, as a reality for them on their path of life suddenly saw it, suddenly thought, wow, like my love matters. And now this is, this is in the picture where I never thought it would be in the picture. Because for a lot of people, they needed to have it legally recognized to even think of it as a possibility. And one of the reasons that that, that is so is because when we, when we achieve marriage equality, society saw us at large as, as something of less, less than a second-class citizen suddenly, that our marriages mattered, that our love mattered. And, and suddenly we saw ourselves in more movies, more commercials, you know, like we're, every year it gets better and better in terms of representation. But, you know, in, tw- in 2005, maybe somebody's family member wouldn't have gone to their uh, wedding, whether it was legally recognized, it wasn't legally recognized, but in 2017, they might, because suddenly society has said, yes, we think this is real and we think it's okay. And so I think that changed the confidence in so many people in our community and just, just validating them um, and their very existence, because who we love or who we go to bed with is part of what it's the majority of what people think about when they look at us. Can I dig a little deeper there, Kirsten? So I think um, what you're touching on there is like the power of the representation and visibility. Um, So if I kind of, yeah, digging deeper, what has that representation and visibility done in our wedding industry? Like specifically looking at, wedding professionals like what's changed for uh, people working in the industry um, now that we have marriage equality I think that one of the things that I've noticed changing in the wedding industry since the passage of marriage equality is the idea that inclusivity is not just a uh, a feeling but it's also an action and that wedding pros have to go uh, further than they may have ever thought that they needed to. It's not just enough to have a friendly face on your uh, avatar or on your website. You need to specifically say, both with words and photos, uh, again and again, you know, consistently, that you support the LGBTQ plus community in order to um, to have them trust you and to want to want to hire you for their business. And it's not always been that way we were not we have not always been a priority for most businesses mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. anything to add maria yeah i was trying to think um i think also even the past few years um in some weird way and i don't really know how to phrase this but it's also given a little bit of a safe space for pros to say i care about this community but i don't know how to serve them and i also am afraid to do the wrong thing and I think um, a lot more representation and visualization of things and even other pros, other wedding pros, whether it's in the media or not, saying here are, here are ways, here are examples, here are all different versions of LGBTQ plus weddings. It's allow them to quietly be able to step back and see what other weddings look like and then start to ask questions, uh, you know, 
what are pronouns or how am I supposed to use them with my couples or how am I supposed to change things? I'm going to do the wrong thing. And so it's created a really kind of uh, just open space, I think, for pros to also get a little more vulnerable in their businesses. And I think that's an amazing thing for any minority. It allows you to kind of, you know, look at your business and say, am I serving everybody? Um, am I doing it in the best way possible? And what can I do better for those that I am trying to attract to my business? So it's been, it's been nice to see that, that people even come to us or whatever, whomever it may be and say, you know, they ask a question or they're like, well, I'm not sure. I'm not sure to ask this, but I don't know if it's okay to, and you're just like, oh, no, no, let's go. Let's have the conversation because we're all better for it. So we've seen that with, with wedding pros specifically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We do a lot of training with the wedding industry and the hospitality industry, uh, individually. And we have a course and then I, you know, we go and, um, train at different, uh, businesses and companies, small and large. And one thing that we've noticed is the questions from 2010 to 2022 really haven't changed. And it just shows me that we are at the very tippity top of an iceberg. Um, and it's going to take so many of us just continuing to have these hard conversations with people, uh, you know, doing the emotional labor of, of educating folks and, and also educating ourselves. Like I'm never, never going to say that I've, I've, I figured it all out. Like I'm continuously learning about the LGBTQ plus community, um, about our trans siblings, uh, you know, with Equally Wed, that's really informed, you know, how I educate about our community because we have data from LGBTQ plus couples from all over the world sharing their experiences, but they, you know, we all have different socioeconomic statuses, different races, religions, um, family situations, education, and, and that all informs how we're experiencing the world. Uh, but also, I've just learned so much about, you know, that there's no one right way to be non-binary. There's no one right way to be trans. There's no one right way to uh, to experience gender or sexuality. And trying to explain that to our cishet allies is, is always going to be a challenge. It, to me, it's a fun challenge. I love it. But that's also, um, you know, it's part of our, our jobs. But I think that no matter what, we have a long way to go. Uh, and it's... Um, we're just getting started. <laughs> that leads really well into my next question, which is what can wedding professionals learn from people in the queer community? Mm -hmm. That's a great question. So, oh, well. I know. Where do you start? Where do we start? Uh, it, let me follow up with that question. Do you want to know how wedding pros can be more LGBTQ plus inclusive or what they can learn from queer people in general? Uh, you can take it either way. I think, you know, if, yeah, it could be wedding professionals can learn from queer people that, you know, fluidity is a good thing and therefore you shouldn't <laughs> stick to just doing the same thing over and over again. It could be wedding professionals can learn that, you know, using inclusive language brings everyone along for the journey. Like, you know, I guess mm. you could interpret it several right. different ways. So I don't want to lock you in. Oh, no, those are great. I think you should save those and use them. Yeah, I will say that wedding pros who are interested in working with the LGBTQ plus community and truly 
want to celebrate um, our community and believe in marriage equality and wedding equality have uh, can really look to the LGBTQ plus community, especially weddings, uh, you know, that have happened, that have been published uh, to see what the community is doing. And also in that recognizing that we're all different. There's no, you know, just one, one type of LGBTQ plus wedding. When we were getting married, somebody asked, somebody close to us asked, what's it going to be like? And it was it was as if they'd never been to a wedding before, but really they'd never been to an LGBTQ plus wedding. Yeah, and I thought, well, what a silly question, you know. But they couldn't imagine it, um, which was so interesting. And I feel like that just that's just part of the otherness that folks do when when they're looking at a community they they're not in and they don't quite understand. Uh, but there are people like us, you know, educators who want to share, you know, actionable tips, uh, and I will share some with you right now, uh, that, um, you know, it's really important, one, uh, to use inclusive language to make sure that, you know, when you are looking at your website, any marketing materials you're sharing, the captions and all of your social media, to make sure in general, when you're speaking generally, when you're speaking broadly, to use gender neutral language, you know, instead of bride and groom or the bride and the groom or brides and grooms, you could use something like marrier or marriers or the couple, partner, spouses, or something clever that's on brand for your company like lovebirds or sweethearts. Uh, but and then, and then going further, you know, instead of bridal party, wedding party, instead of, instead of bridal suite, um, you know, whether it's getting ready suite or, or just a wedding suite, um, bridal shower can change to couple shower, wedding shower. And, you know, you can go on and on uh, with that. But those simple switches really, I don't think, mean anything different to the heterosexual community, um, unless they're against us, and then they mean a lot. But uh, but they mean so much to the LGBTQ plus community and our allies, because our allies are growing in numbers, especially with the younger and younger generations, and they're looking for that inclusive language too, no matter how they identify. Uh, so it, it's um, it's a one way to show your inclusive values, as well as um, you know just show up as yourself in your business and watch your business grow for sharing those values, as well as sharing your pronouns. I think a lot of people who are in the cishet community think, well, it's obvious I'm a woman or it's obvious I'm a man. Why would I share my pronouns? And I think, you know, an important part of remembering why we share pronouns is because what sharing your pronouns does is says, I understand and agree with that, um, the gender identity has nothing to do with your anatomy or how society reads your gender. And I, I am acknowledging that by sharing my pronouns that we don't think it's obvious based on how I appear to you. So, and then asking for somebody else's pronouns is a, is a way to say, I want to recognize your authentic gender identity. And if you feel safe opening it up and sharing with me, I, I can be that space for you. It's not it's not required, you know, but I think it's exceptional if you um, if you feel comfortable sharing your pronouns in your um, your signature and your bios on your website or your social media bio if you are a one a one person company, but also um, you know name tags or asking your clients pronouns in your intake forms. This is extremely helpful for you to be able to show your inclusive values right from the beginning, but also. 
That way you and your staff can address them appropriately. And one thing when you are asking people's pronouns, uh, make sure that you uh, have a fill-in, fill-in-the-blank, not a drop-down form, because there are so many different combinations of pronouns that you wouldn't want to assume that these are the only pronoun choices that there are, uh, especially with all the neo-pronouns that are coming um, up from our, um, our creative younger generations. Mm, mm, absolutely. Um, I've got one more question, but I do just want to turn to you, Maria. Do you have anything you wanted to add there? Um, no, I think that's, I mean, I think that's wonderful in regards to actionable items. Um, I think I mean, your question at the beginning there was what can wedding pros learn from kind of the LGBTQ career community? Um, and you had mentioned something that just made me think that it does a reminder that, that to cishet or that the, it's just wedding pros in general, um, the idea that, like you said, gender, sexuality, it is fluid. And a lot of LGBTQ, not a lot, but a, a good amount of LGBTQ plus people are on a journey. And that journey is not figured out just when they're 20 or something. For some people, it is. Um, you may know that you are whatever sexuality, whatever gender you feel that you are um, at 20 years old, and it never changes, and you are who you are. But for some people, that is a very, it's a lifelong journey for sometimes. It's figuring them out. It's fluid. It changes. And that's not wrong. Um, and so I think, uh, you know, especially in the, the wedding world, it's such an intimate space. Um, even while you work with your vendors and your pros or you as a couple, that to understand and respect that, that somebody that you might talk to at January, whatever, 2022, might say that the pronouns are she, her. And by the time you're engaging with them, you know, 12 months later, when you're starting to plan their wedding, it might be she, they, or it might be they, them. And that's okay. And there's nothing weird or wrong with that. Um, and just respect that. So I think that that old idea, I think our community as a whole teaches that idea of even to just sit cishet people or just not the straight community as a, I mean, I don't want to make it that blanket of a statement, but just this idea of that as humans, we should be okay with just being on a journey of exploring ourselves, our sexuality, our gender, our personality, our spirituality, all of those things. There should be no end to that if that's, you know, like there's no timeline is better. And I think it's, it's not necessarily linear. Um, and I think that that our community really kind of exemplifies that in such a wonderful way. Mm. Yeah, that was brilliant. Thank you. <laughs> okay, question for both of you. What does the... Oh, I've already screwed it up. What does the future of weddings look like? I hope uh, that it, I hope that the future of weddings it just continues to be an evolution. In the United States, we have uh, the near constant threat that our legal rights to marriage could be overturned. And that is scary as hell. It's, it's something that we have to sit with and deal with and wonder what's coming down the road for us. And that impacts weddings. Because even though, you know, some people are like, I don't want to get political, but our very existence and our, our love is political. And we don't know uh, what what's going to happen, you know, because it, it all depends on who's in office or, you know, somebody wins something and and then we lose. But I think that more and more wedding pros are learning their own truth about sharing their their values because one thing that we get asked from, about a lot from people who live in conservative areas, including LGBTQ plus people who live in conservative areas, 
are asking, how do I, how do I market to the LGBTQ plus community without offending my base clientele? We get asked that all the time, mm-hmm. and that could be a whole nother conversation. But it, I don't know. I'm trying to. I don't know where you were going with that. Crap. Uh, uh, oh, that. Um, oh man. In, in regards to weddings, yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah. Oh, my hope is that 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 it continue oh, yeah. it continues to lessen uh, that what the people are less afraid to speak out about being allies, mere allies, uh, you know, in right, right. guilty by association or, you know, that, that our, our allies are, are large in numbers, but are, but in those numbers, there are still a lot of people who aren't ready to publicly come out as being an ally mm-hmm. to the LGBTQ plus community or taking their allyship to the next level of advocacy and activism. And my hope is just to see that continue to grow. And hopefully it doesn't have to continue to be activism either. You know, like it's, it's going to be like that for a while, but hopefully it's just, you know, gosh, we're in the business of love. We always say that. And then all of a sudden it has to become political and you have to be an activist to be on our side. And I, for me, I hate that because it's just like, Oh, I want to, I want to work with you. Great. Wonderful. We're in this amazing business where we get to celebrate this this couple, this love, this relationship, and and, and ex, ex, the excitement of that day. Um, but yeah, it, it still comes down to the dollars and they're running a business. And then all of a sudden they have to go, well, if I do this and I proclaim that I'm an ally or I'm LGBTQ plus inclusive and I'm in this smaller town here in the United States. Or in other countries. Or in, in other countries, for sure. Yeah, that I've turned my back on these other people or I've said to them, look, I don't, I, I'm separate of your morals or whatever it is. And all of a sudden I lost all those dollars and I get it from a business standpoint. I mean, we know we can't continue if we don't make money. Um, we can't continue to do the work we love and that we want to continue doing to get the word out and to, to be advocates for this community. If we don't, so I understand the dollar sign situation, but at the same time, we always say that there are way more people that are going to support you than the people that are going to turn their back on you. But we can't clearly say that in a lot of certain small areas right. um, here in right. the country. So, um, yeah, I think it's, you know, it's this, I, even just from us, uh, just from this decorative wedding standpoint of weddings, I hope they continue to be just rooted in some traditions if you want that, but explore all the aspects that break traditions, no matter what kind of couple you are, you know, heterosexual, gay, straight, trans, whatever, that you do what you want for your wedding day and the celebration in any way with religion, with um, large, small, this, that, breaking traditions, um, however you want. And, you know, we see a lot more, you know, 50, 60 years ago, men not being as involved with the wedding day. I mean, I may be speaking out of the wrong side of my mouth, but honestly, they're just kind of like showed up in a tux and got married. And we see that even changing. And so for those things, it's like, fantastic that's what it should all be about and don't like bring in the traditions that you want for your wedding but break them when you want as well um and i think that that's been exciting to see change over the last even five to ten years and i hope it continues in that direction as well (coughs) i was holding on to that cop (laughs) (laughs) sorry that was beautiful good you got it you saved right then um (laughs) Well, thank you. That kind of concludes all of my um, my former questions. I did just think of something um, just in regards to Supreme Court and what's happening at the moment with this Roe v. Wade. I like, I, yeah, I did an interview the other day for, for this podcast and, and the guest was like, 
had a lot to say and I was just like, I'm aware that this is a really like unfolding situation and we don't know exactly where it's going and the timeline and all of that stuff. But I guess I'm conscious that if this is coming out in June, June is possibly also going to coincide with when we hear back from the Supreme Court. So mm-hmm. I don't know if you have any thoughts or feelings that you wanted to you know, comment on. Um, but like, yeah, I, it's knowing knowing the connection between if if they're prepared to repeal one decision and and take away rights from one group of people, what what impact might that have on on the queer community with marriage equality? Absolutely. I think it's been, I mean, a lot of people, certain people on the certain side of the line or whatever may say, oh, no, 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 don't. Even in the draft, it's been said that this is because it's talking another life involved. That's We're not going to go onto these other sides of things in regards to marriage equality or contraception or even, you know, um, Brown versus the Board of Education. All those things. Well, that's not going to change the God, but, um, you know, loving versus Virginia and those things or interracial marriage and whatnot. So it's... You could say that until you're blue in the face, but what we're going to believe in our heart is absolutely it could be on the chopping block. We have, um, you know, a very conservative Supreme Court. This has kind of, we saw it forming. I mean, we know it's been happening for years underneath the surface in a lot of ways, if you've been paying attention. But for the past, you know, certain amount of time, short amount of time, all the things in the states here have been lining up in certain ways to get this right to the Supreme Court. And so it absolutely could go in the direction for marriage equality. And I am fired up about the Roe versus Wade situation, and I would probably be way more fired up about marriage equality. I don't say that because I'm passionate about both. I'm passionate about any any type of group being taken down like that. Um, It's it's scary, and it's also infuriating. Um, I mean, I think we're all here trying to figure out how to stay well aware about what's going on and what we need to do ahead of time. I think we've been trying to do that with this particular issue. And I don't, you know, there's a lot of midterms and all these different elections coming up this year and then whatever. But I don't know. I mean, we we know. We know it's a possibility that they could try to strike it down. And then what does that mean? Do all of our current marriages that are, you know, legally recognized just stay and then nobody else can get married? And then we're back at square one with fighting for that again. I just, you know, it's... I don't know. We have a lot of opinion about it and a lot of frustration, and we're trying to figure out how to funnel our energy into the most appropriate activism responses, at least personally from our family side here, mm-hmm. and from Equally Wet as well, as much as we can do. Yes. Mm-hmm. Agree. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. All right. Well, before I stop recording, I don't know if you have any questions that you want to ask me. Mm. Um, nothing that needs to be on the recording, I don't think. Um, yeah, I don't think so. I mean, unless there's anything that, yeah, you would love us to ask, so you could put no, some input no, in. No, no, or, just yeah, wanted or to put it out there. That's anything. totally fine. I don't yeah. know if we All didn't right, answer I'm anything gonna, in the best way possible. <laughs> I'm going to uh, hit stop, but don't go anywhere. First Look is brought to you by Queer Wedding Ally Training. In 10 years' time, one out of five weddings will be queer. The queer wave is coming. And with that, the people who work in the wedding industry need to adapt. If you're not offering an inclusive experience for all couples, your business is going to get left behind. Queer Wedding Ally Training will give you the tools that you need to be a better ally in just seven days. You'll learn the fundamentals of queer inclusive language, how to create a welcoming environment without feeling awkward or tokenistic, and how to stay relevant in a fast-changing industry. For only $49, you'll gain access to four video modules, plus a bunch of bonuses, including the all-new bonus audio training, three proven strategies to book more queer weddings. 
For more information and how to sign up, head to www.queerweddingallies.com. That's queerweddingallies.com.